I'm Tim Slusher. And I'm Chris Fuller. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Vinyl, Vinyl Pizza. Hello, everyone, and welcome. <laughs> I don't know how to start. It's been so long since we've recorded a show, I don't know how to start. What? How do you do the beginning again? Hello? Is this on? Tap, tap, tap. Hello. And welcome to season two of Vinyl Pizza. Season two. We're calling it season two because Tim looked something up on the internet and said we should do seasons or something like that. I, I, it wasn't on the internet. No, no, it was a friend that I, does. I got specific yeah. professional podcasting advice. So after after but, doing an entire season, we're like, you know what? We should probably ask somebody. <laughs> like, we should just ask somebody how to do this. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so yes, I I hope that... You're along for the ride. If you haven't been here before, you can always go listen to the first season. We have plenty of wonderful guests. You can experience our growing pains <laughs> as we went from two guys who knew nothing about podcasting to two guys who still put out a podcast <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got some good guests already lined up for this season. Yeah. Um, Including today's guest, Dave Godowski, who you may not have heard of. I mean, you probably heard of because uh, I, yeah, maybe you talk, once or twice. you talk to him on the phone. Who is this guy? Why are we talking to him? I do that all the time. <laughs> Usually at the dinner table. Who is this guy? Why am I talking to him? Uh, Dave is a uh, a singer songwriter. He's a entrepreneur. I don't know. He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> he's he's a he's been in management. He's been in A and R. He's, he does everything. He's worn many hats. He's worn many hats. Yes. Many hats has he worn. <laughs> Sorry, that's an old song or a new song I just made up. So, yeah, yeah we talked to Dave later. Um, some good stuff in there. So, Vinyl Pizza exclusive. That's right. I that's believe right. what he, he, he said. To, that. You'll have to stay tuned to see what, what it is exclusively <laughs> on Vinyl Pizza. Money back guarantee if you're not satisfied. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, I'll write you a check for zero dollars and zero cents. Uh, so it's a it's a new year. It's 2018. Yes. Yeah. Already March. Already March. Which means we should have launched a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh well. Look, we're on our own schedule. That's true. We march to the <laughs> beat of our own. If consistency is not your thing, this is the podcast yeah, for is. you. <laughs> If you just like spontaneity and randomness, you're like, oh, wait, are those guys still around? Oh, look, yeah, they just put something out. We are. After six months. Or is, it, is that it? It seems like it's probably been longer than that. Because we had a couple of, I, we had, I'm not going to name anybody. I'm not going to try to shame anyone. But we had a couple of guests uh, kind of flake on us. Yes. Um, which is a drag. But, you know, you roll with the punches. Um. So this year we're learning to uh, have backup plans. Backup plans. And uh, scheduling in, in a much earlier stage yeah. of the game. We should, uh, <laughs> and harassing people on Twitter. Exactly, yes. We should just start, I should just start calling people that like we know and be like, hey, what are you doing? Okay, well, we're recording a podcast right now. Right. Keep talking. <laughs> Say something interesting. I don't care if you're in the bathroom. <laughs> It may be that we should do that. That would probably work. Yeah. Something. At the very least, we could call on air and leave voicemails. That's true. 
Yeah, this podcast may take a really different turn come yeah. mid-season. You, you it's going to be know. guerrilla podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to be ch- jumping on like porta potties and stuff at festivals. <laughs> Talk to me, Bishop Briggs. Then we'll just start calling people and asking them, do you listen, just, to, music? Do you listen to music? Do you like music? Would you like some topping? <laughs> Hello, I would like to talk to you today about music. Is music something that you've ever heard of? It'd be like crank anchors, but... Crank uh, anchors. Music but, but related. Music. <laughs> what kind of prank call is this? I just want to know your top five Madonna songs. I haven't listened to the Brian Fallon record a lot. You have. I really love it. It's Tell a, us about that. It's a great record. It's, uh, for if you're not familiar with Brian Fallon, he he was in Gaslight Anthem. Uh, well, I guess he still is. They're, they're doing a tour for 59 mm-hmm. Sound for the anniversary of that. Um, also in the Horrible Crows, but he's got a solo record out called Sleepwalkers, and it's really good. Like the songwriting is just, it's layered and and pretty. Like it's a very uh, like contemplative, like middle aged kind of punk rock record. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's smoothed out. It's not as punk as like early Gaslight Anthem stuff is. But uh, um, and as a Ken and Crows fan, there are. I asked I asked him on Twitter if uh, In Her Majesty's Service was a nod to Rain King because it starts off talking about the rain and then there's some lines in there that are pretty reminiscent of that song. He he said no, it's he it wasn't an intentional thing, but he's a fan, right? So, but and there's also like there's some guitar tones and stuff that sound like uh, like Holiday in Spain. Oh yeah, but. I don't know. It's really good. It's a, I mean, it's one of those records if you just kind of sit and listen to it, it kind of hits uh, some sensitive notes and um, and then it's fun at times too. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. I'd like to have that guy on the podcast. Well, you should call him. Don't you have the number? I don't have Brian Fallon's number. I have someone's number that has Brian Fallon's number. You probably have more than one person. I probably do number. have more than one. What about you? You been listening to anything? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <You're> like, yeah, <laughs> music. <laughs> Who needs it? <laughs> Actually, I've been kind of in a, uh, a retro state of listening to stuff I hadn't listened to before all the way through, which things like uh, the first Paul Simon album I listened oh, to yeah. recently. And uh, what was that? The Honey Honey Dews? Honey Cones? Honey, honey Cones. cones. Yeah, I had never heard of that. I mean, I knew a song by them, but I didn't know. So I listened Tim's to just listening to other people's podcasts. I have been listening to other people's podcasts, but... Trader. I'm kind of tired of the uh, listen to this band, and it's like the same band you're hearing sound-wise that you've been hearing for the last five years. Right. So the nice thing to go back and listen to stuff that I hadn't heard, or these are people who... Yeah, like things you've missed. Yeah, I mean, and you get to find that kind of music through, like, your parents, because those are old, older, 60s, yeah, 70s older sounds. people. And I, I didn't listen to that stuff when I was oh. younger. So, I mean, I listened to what my mom listened to, but as you kind of find your own way you're not necessarily going back and listen to the stuff that your parents listen to until i think later on in life i did did you like when i was a teenager i would go to the library and check out like all of the like best of the british invasion yeah um like they would there's like a multiple uh, kind of series like uh, billboard hits of like each year mm-hmm. and it would start back in the 50s and stuff and i would just check every one of them out and go home and listen to them really yeah I didn't do that. I was a scholar. Well, you still are. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't much for fancy book learning. <laughs> I don't read for fun. Um, no, but like I, my mom listened to so many different things. I don't know that I ever thought about, oh, hey, I like this song. I should see all of the stuff that this person does. She was all over the map when it came to the radio. Right. And so I don't know that I really grasp 
an idea for a particular artist until I was probably maybe middle school. Yeah. And then I was still trying to find like my own sound because I didn't really want, you know, to listen to her stuff. I was a pretty hardcore Elvis Presley fan. My mom on. loved Elvis, and I did too. But she she was not a music purchaser. Like we yeah. didn't have a lot of albums and CDs or well not CDs, but yeah. I know we we had a we had eight tracks. We had eight tracks and we had like maybe six. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them were like compilations. She'd right. buy those I wanna say it was called the Up All Night. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it was like six or seven, you know, eight tracks yeah. um of kind of late seventies, early eighties music. Uh we had that one and then Connie Francis, which I loved and played all the time. And then Elvis. I don't remember much else. But she just wasn't a, somebody that bought music. Right. My grandmother, though, had albums all the time, but it was all big band and, like, yeah. um, Jim Reeves and Frank Sinatra and all those things, which I appreciated. But uh, I don't. I also didn't really go out and buy music until I was really in high school. Oh. And then yeah. I was, like, finding my own stuff. I'd like, I was, well, I was always taping shit off of like the radio, but yeah, I did that too. Like, that's what I would ask for for Christmas presents, though, would be cassettes, which most of the time our local small town Walmart wouldn't carry the stuff that I was looking Like, they didn't have Run DMC, uh, they didn't have Beastie Boys, like in like the mid 80s yeah. or something like that. So we'd have to drive to Tulsa, which mm-hmm. is, you know, over an hour away to, to, get, <laughs> to get music deemed not I, acceptable. I think I fell in that group of like top 40. Yeah. Like, I listened to Top 40. That's what my mother listened to. That's what I listened to. Um, plus, I didn't have a lot of time by myself. Like, there was always an adult in the nothing house. nothing but time. And so, uh, they were always listening to their thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just listen along. But I don't think... Yeah, I'm I'm kind of sheltered in... Uh, as much as I love music, I feel like I'm kind of sheltered in not really going back and listening to stuff I probably should have listened to. That's true. You know, you, there's stuff you like, you know you like, and then you keep listening to that. Somebody like Paul Simon. I liked, but I didn't get the appreciation for him until I was much older. I've also been listening to the Bee Gees a lot lately. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I'll get a song stuck in my head and then I'll go listen to it. Um, I, I don't think, think there's anything new I've been listening to, though. Oh, uh, Nathaniel Ratliff has a new record out that I just listened to as well. Did you listen to the whole thing? Yeah. yeah. That was pretty good. I mean, they've been playing some stuff on the radio there yeah the new song worry worry me i think is what it yeah is. yeah i know i looked it up on spotify the other day <clears throat> and uh just listened to it let it play through uh rainbow kitten surprise has a new album coming out i'm excited about that yeah, that'll be good stuff they've been playing one of the tracks um on alt nation oh really which is cool yeah now that they just get on board and put some mobley in there mobley. like they should um who also is working on some new music as well that's true Mobley's kind of blowing up. Yeah. I texted uh, a friend about uh, South by the other day. Yeah. And I was talking about bands and like who we were talking about getting on the show. And they were like, oh, Mobley's kind of blowing up. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll have his jingle music forever. We'll have his jingle music (laughs) forever. He should write us a new jingle for, for like season two. We should get a new jingle. You think? Yeah. I'll ask him, but yeah. Uh, well, first we'll just get him onto like the six onto the show. <laughs> yeah. So he's touring and very busy. Yeah. So, which is good. I'm glad he's finally uh, busy. That's a good thing. But if you haven't checked out Mobley, find him. You can find him at Twitter Mobley Who. That's his Twitter handle. I think. Yep. It's also the website. Mobley it's also Who. the website MobleyWho.com. Yeah. It's good stuff. He's post genre. He loves to say that. I know. 
I was really trying to think. I feel like there's something else I was listening to recently, and I can't remember what it is. Aside from uh, my wife being addicted to that song that she plays, seems like every fucking. <laughs> what is that song from? So it's from the Levi's commercial. <clears throat> they say the title of the song is called Circles, but that's not actually the title of the song. Makiba. Makiba. By. I'm assuming it's Jane. Jane. Maybe <laughs> it's J A I N. Jane. Jane. Anyway, so I think I've heard that song more times than I need to. A hundred times. In the past, like, it's a <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> it's a good song. It's, no, it's, it's very. It gets you moving and it, uh, it makes catchy. You, makes your hip swing. Yeah, yeah. Coming up in a few episodes, we're also going to talk a little bit more about ourselves. <laughs> Which. I'm warning you. This is a this is a yeah. This a is warning. Your, this is a, called a warning shot <laughs> to let you know. That, uh, so if you have questions for uh, either Chris or myself, you can hit us up on social media. But beware, I will most likely answer your question. You will get an answer, and it may not be the answer you're looking for. <laughs> Maybe an answer that scars you for life. I've retired seven therapists in my lifetime. <laughs> so uh, yeah, hit us up if you have questions. Yeah, follow us on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, if more people follow us, I'll post more stuff. Okay, there you are. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, no guarantees. So, uh, this topping is... First topping of the new season. Yes. We, we've been kind of ad-libby with our, our toppings so far. Well, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to run out. Like, you yeah, run like out you, of toppings pretty easily. Oh, uh, yeah, I could do top whatever. And then you realize, God, no one wants to do... Yeah. <laughs> What's your top mariachi band? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we uh, we're really gonna have to start making a yeah like an effort, a really <laughs> distinctive you know, list. First, my first step is I'm gonna start thinking about it more than five minutes before we start the interview. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Some organizational skills, yeah. maybe we could work on time management. So, so Dave kind of got hit with uh, top hard rock band. Yes. Which is funny because the music he actually makes is not, yeah. not hard rock. Although, I mean, he, he has some hard rock experience. Yeah, yeah. Which you will find about if you listen to the interview. Probably. Probably. <laughs> so, yeah, you went with top hard rock. So you want to go first? You want uh, me to go first? I'll go first, sure. Uh, so I, I'm, I went with Van Halen. But I am a Van Hagar. Which... Loser. <laughs> So I picked a Van Halen song that I felt was the hardest Van Halen song. The heaviest? The heaviest. The ah. heaviest rock and roll song, which is off the Twister soundtrack, and that's Humans Being.
I love you like a brother, um, but, but the thought of somebody that I'm <laughs> friends with preferring Sammy Hagar in Van Halen to David Lee Roth in Van Halen is fucking ludicrous to me. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> it would have been like, you know what? Let's go ahead and we'll take Led Zeppelin, but let's get rid of Robert Plant and put Paul Anka in there. <laughs> Man, I'd kind of like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably would too. Don't get me wrong. I like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> and I even like a lot of the, you know, 5150, OUA12, yeah. like that stuff. Um, like, come on, man. Fucking David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth is the personification of rock and roll. Like, for the, the late 70s into the 80s, I mean, he was just outrageous spandex and hair yep. and high kicks and splits yep. and swagger. But, I mean, Sammy Agar's fine. At least you didn't say <laughs> Gary Sharon. <laughs> I don't like Van Halen, but I really just like the Gary Sharon years. <laughs> No, I, I like 5150, OU812 was great. Good. Balance was a great Pancake's a good song. album. I liked Balance a lot. Yeah. I just like that classic Van Halen sound. I don't dislike it. And it is a part of my, again, childhood, you know, 80s David Lee yeah, Roth, and Jump and Panama. 1984, those, yeah, yeah, that's a benchmark sure. album. Um, but again, as I got older, I appreciated the, right. the music more of Hagar. I suppose. Lame. <laughs> So, so that's, I'm, I'm sticking to it. That's right. my choice. I was uh, I was gonna go with Guns N' Roses originally. That seems like an easy choice, but only if you really count like Appetite for Destruction, right? <laughs> like, like it's I when I consider Use Your Illusion records, I like them. I love them. I would even say, but they're more self indulgent than hard rock. Mm. I mean, it's a little too much. So I'm going with Soundgarden. Really? Okay. Yeah. Man, if you listen to like Bad Motor Finger and like the earlier stuff, mm-hmm. um, I mean it's it's pretty heavy. I went with uh, a track off of Soundgarden's second record, which is their first on A and M. Uh, it's kind of a jab at uh, lyrics from hair metal bands, um, which I also loved. But it's a fun song, even even if you like don't get it because it curses <laughs> a lot. Really, when you're a kid, cursing a lot in a song is great. Actually, that's very true. You're right. Yeah. So that's why I went with uh, Big Dumb Sex. All right.
am surprised that you went there. I uh, I just knew that you were going to pick Kiss. You know, I considered Kiss. Um, man, the '80s were just really bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, you're not wrong at, about at that time. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I could just narrow it down again to like '70s Kiss, like right. the first maybe five or six records. I mean, yeah, no, they're they're great. Um, oh, Gene Simmons kind of pisses me off as a person. Um, <laughs> that dissuades it. But um, you know, I just Soundgarden like like the songs were better. I mean, I mean, I love Kiss songs and, and they're single, singable and, and all that, but right. they don't kind of have that emotional depth. They're a little more hollow. So mm-hmm. I, that's one thing that Soundgarden kind of brought to hard rock um, was kind of more intelligent lyrics. And I mean, Chris Cornell is just one of the best singers. Right. Um, and in that, that era when, you know, a lot of singers weren't, we'll say, classically trained he was <laughs> he was just a better vocalist than than everybody else mm-hmm. um and they had you know a great grungy hard rock sound kim thale um on guitar you know great riffs so yeah although yeah kiss and, and guns and roses kind of like if i could just pick specific periods of their careers would right. be would be like more obvious choices for me but yeah i'm going with a dark horse that's the sound god. All right. It's a good choice. Yeah, well, when I picked Van Halen, too, I didn't mean just, just Hagar either. I wasn't picking just Hagar. I know. I just prefer Hagar. You prefer the Hagar. So I'm also saying an extended amount yeah. of work All of, across the spectrum. Of yeah. yeah. I get it. You don't agree, but you get it. Yeah. I like Van Fair Halen. Enough. I mean, I, I just prefer the 1984 and earlier. So do you like David Lee Ross independent stuff? I do. Yeah. I remember you talking about having always having adults around. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and I had this it wasn't a Walkman, it was a knockoff Walkman. But uh, I had bought Crazy from the Heat, the E P that he put out, which mm-hmm. was just four songs. And I was it was during the summer and I was staying at my grandparents and I was listening to it in my headphones. Um and for me, I didn't. I didn't really even know. I didn't know that "Just a Gigolo" was like an old song. Mm-hmm. And so my grandma was like, "You want you take your headphones out and we can all listen to it." And I was like, <laughs> "I don't think that you would like it." And she was like, "Well, maybe you shouldn't listen to it." I'm like, "No, it's fine for me." <laughs> I was probably like nine, ten years old. No, it's fine for me. You probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> Always alone with the music. Yeah, I, I wasn't until I I got older. I used to, uh, just to get away from people in my house, go outside on my porch and take a boombox with yeah. me and then listen to stuff yeah. out there, on the radio out there because it was the only time I could get away from... I was constantly know. sitting on the porch or going out into the woods with a, a portable radio. Yeah. Or at nighttime with a little clock radio pressed up to my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> listening to all the, the stuff in the middle of the night. I was convinced that I was like, clairvoyant or something because i would think about a song and then i'd change the channel and it would be on oh right uh oh man i just wish that song on why can't i make that work with anything else in my life (laughs) yeah i learned um i guess i was in sixth grade yeah and i had changed schools and and went to private school and oddly enough uh, a good friend of mine there was listening to like Suicidal Tendencies and Dead Milkman, and I was like, what yeah. is this? Like, I, yeah. I'd never heard what this stuff this? before. So really, without kind of uh, that 
outside influence, yeah. I probably would have been stuck in that kind of well, you always have, bubble. You always kind of have to have that one person that kind of nudges you towards the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that she did. <laughs> <laughs> there was a dark side that there. That she sure. did. She did that. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I don't know. Other, you know, you have to have those other influences. Yeah. And it has to happen kind of outside of your own bubble. It's true. And I didn't have that until I really got into probably sixth grade. Yeah. I, just thought, I always thought it was ironic to yeah. find somebody who was listening to that kind of stuff in a Catholic school. <laughs> ironic, perhaps. But I mean, if I were in Catholic school, you could only imagine the shit that I would be listening yeah. to. <laughs> There's or... been like Mongolian death chants or something. Right. But everybody was listening to like U2 when I was in... Oh, yeah. You know, they were huge, like, seventh grade, I'm guessing, about, right? Seventh, eighth grade? Yeah. Man, that was such a big deal, and I was just like, I don't fucking get it. They were crazy about U2, and I just remember thinking, I just don't get it. Like, I, I like it, and I like U2 okay. I like old U2, not like, new U2. Where I was growing up, like, it was more like Def Leppard. Like, everybody was into Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I feel like that was not happening at, at Catholic school. Yeah. They were real into to U2. Uh, because they're Irish. Um, Irish Catholics They stick together They do I don't know where that came from really I just remember everybody asking Do you listen to U2? And I'd be like N- No But then there's that part Where you Do you say yes Because you, you don't yeah, want to look wanna, like A really uncool like person And I remember at some point Somebody asked me What's your favorite U2 song? And I was like Sunday Bloody Sunday and Like, Why would you pick that one? I was like That's the one I like I don't know <laughs> You asked me what I liked <laughs> Um Okay, now spend your time chastising me for it. Because uh, you're so stupid. Right. <laughs> I, but I didn't have a big knowledge of YouTube. I hadn't listened to all their albums. I, it wasn't until probably a year or two later I even listened to all of Joshua Tree. Yeah, I was probably in high school before I really got into YouTube. So you get it then. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I was hanging out with people. I mean, we were listening to like hair bands and shit. I preferred that. Yeah. I would have much rather listened to I mean... I, my first concert was Bon Jovi, so you know, what talk about hair bands. I know, right? Poison and uh, no, not Poison because I've seen them. Um, They're cool. Cinderella's who opened for Cinderella's also cool. Bon Jovi. Tom Kiefer is an underrated musician. Yeah, yeah, that dude's fantastic. I wonder what he's doing now. I'm guessing absolutely nothing. He's <laughs> the State Fair tour. Yeah, Lita Ford opened for Poison that show I saw. Oh well. Uh, I saw Warrant open for Poison. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I was totally much into the yeah. uh, hairband side of things way more than, like, you 2 Right. Which, by that point, though, again, being in a Catholic school was not as accepted. Yeah. I was into the hairband. So, whatever. <laughs> Loser. I know. <laughs> I had a hard time fitting it. <laughs> I still have a hard time fitting I'm it. I'm not even Catholic. <laughs> I was going to do Hanson. <laughs> I really only like Amy Grant. <laughs> she only like Lita Ford or Joan Jett. Joan Jett would have been a good hard rock choice. Or Lita Ford. I I like most of Lita's albums. Yeah, not all of them. Joan Jett's got a. For me, she's got the the biggest body of work out of those. The Runaway. Yeah. Crowd. No. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. If we were if we were talking women. Why can't we? We just said best hard rock. No, I know, but I mean, if we were specifically talking women, um, yeah, I don't know that you could, uh, you know, who rivals somebody like Joan Jett and Lee Ford. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, I like it all. My my mind's not going anywhere else. Heart, maybe. I do love Heart. Um, I don't, I have kind of a hard time quantifying them as hard rock. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. even their 70s like stuff. Like Barracuda is, and stuff is probably the closest you get. To that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a little more mellow than... Yeah. I suppose so. Um, I mean, I, I would I would say they're rock. I don't know that they're hard rock. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, that's yeah. what I would say. But, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's the next closest would be somebody like Hart. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Probably. All right. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, you can leave a review on iTunes and such. Or not. Or not. If you, if you hate us. If you hate us, yeah, I review. guess we'll clear. If you like what you're hearing. <laughs> there you go. If you like what you're hearing, please donate to your local NPR station. <laughs> and also, leave Final Pizza Review. There you go. So I guess that's it. And don't forget, if you have questions for Chris and I, to send us a message. Send us a message. There's an email address on the uh, Twitter page as well. And we have a website. Yeah. And we have Facebook. If you're in a band and you have music you want to share, send it to us. We'll take a listen. Yeah. And if it's good, we'll tell you. That's right. If it's not, you'll never hear from us. <laughs> Unless you just like to be told bad news. <laughs> and then I'm happy to do it in private. Yeah. All right. All right. Hasta la vista, baby. Later. All right. We want to welcome via the phone uh, Dave Godowski, who is a musician, amongst other things, um, like manager, writer, lots of. Like you did artist stuff. Anyway, Dave Godowski, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so when I first met you, 2011, I think, you were uh, performing at South by Southwest as not John Shade. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I just remember, yeah, I remember the seeing fake you. name. Yeah. Well, what was the deal with that? I never, I actually never got the story behind were you just going um, by, like, you decided not to have a pseudonym? Yeah, well, I, originally I wanted to have it because I just didn't, uh, for a variety of reasons, didn't really feel comfortable having the songs just, uh, with, with my own name on it, it felt too, like, autobiographical or right. something. I just wasn't comfortable with that. So, I, and I was just overthinking it. And so I, I was like, well, maybe I could just come up with a different name that's kind of more interesting. I also felt like Dave Godowski was like too hard to <laughs> spell or remember or something. And John Shade just had a nice ring to it. And it was already, a, and it was the pseudonym that, um, that Vladimir Nabokov ah. used for himself in Pale Fire. Nice, I didn't it's know It's actually... I think there was actually like a double layer of, I think it was like Nabokov wrote a character into the book and that character's pseudonym was John Shade, but it was really, it's, very, it's just one of those like complicated things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, for your record, uh, All You Need or All You Love's Need, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which, that was the first record. That was a, for me, it was just a great little kind of clever folk record the uh the follow-up to that uh pregret which came out i guess like two years ago now yeah is that correct um i mean i'll i'll go ahead on public record and say it's one of my favorite albums of all time like i listen to that so much it's just i don't know it's very uh structured like it's the songs are are all very complex and layered and you know, intelligent, but um, they have kind of a a singability to them, so you can kind of hum along. 
that's a long description that Tim will probably cut out of the actual <laughs> podcast. I just ramble sometimes. Uh, so I, I dig it. I feel the same. I mean, that's the kind of music I like too. Yeah. I, mean, I try to just make the kind of music I like the same way you make the kind of food you like to eat or whatever, you know, right. like it's just, so it, it took a couple of years for that album to get out. What was the process behind that? Was it a lot of writing or just a matter of getting like things in order? Yeah, I have a I have a weird process, um, which is that I like I come up with little bits of song ideas. It, it might be like a whole verse of a song, but usually it's it's just like a me- like a tiny melody or sometimes even just a word mm-hmm. like pregret. It'll just be a, and I'll just like jot it down, and I'll have all these little notes, and I purposefully won't look at them. I'll like put them. It's kind of like putting it in the like a piggy bank or something. And then once a year, the first week of every June, I go to this uninhabited island in the middle of a lake in New Hampshire, and harvest all these little ideas into songs. And then after a few years of doing that is enough to make a record. So I did that with the first one and the second one, and I'm about ready to do it again for a third one. Nice. I have, I have expected that story to end in psych, because you're just like, yeah, and I go to this deserted <laughs> island, and then <laughs> no, and it's, aliens it's visit true. me. That's crazy. <laughs> I always like to ask people about their, the processes when they're, when they're writing, because, I mean, I, I write. I'm not a songwriter, but I'm, I, I just like to know that process. And, um, you know, some people are like, I only write the music first or I write all the lyrics first and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's probably the most interesting, uh, yeah. response to that, <laughs> to, to what would have been that question. Uh, so this, the, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you've produced two very distinct, I mean, those, the, those records don't sound alike. It's so I, I guess it's a process that, uh, lets you run through a cycle of creativity to, to get something brand new. Um, yeah, definitely. So yep. the songs on that record are pretty, uh, I don't want to say dark, melancholy maybe, a little melancholy. Um, what was the, like, what was the inspiration going into that, into that record? Um, I'd, I'd say it was a pretty, it came from a, a pretty dark and melancholy time of my life. So I think it was pretty reflective of my mental state of those two or three years i was like i was moved around a, a couple times i like i moved to north carolina just for like seven or eight months and didn't really know like what i was doing i was sort of like whether i was chasing after something or running away from something or, or i don't know what just very like feeling like just you know ungrounded kind of uh and feeling like I was making bad decisions. Um, but that's where the name comes. I guess that's where the name comes from of like making a bad decision, like a regrettable decision in advance. Right. Um, which is something yeah. I relate to. So I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's just a very relatable record for me. Um, so you play, uh, the piano on that album. Is that, is that all you I played? A, I played piano and guitar and, um, yeah, I think it was all piano and guitar and whatever synth type stuff was on there too. Yeah, the piano on that record is amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate that you 
like really highlighted the piano in those songs. Yeah. You've been listening to Vinyl Pizza. Today we've been talking to Dave Godowski. Coming up off of his 2016 release, Pregret, is one of our favorite tracks, Making It Up As I Go, featuring Adam Duritz, frontman of Counting Crows. There's more after that, so stick around. Once upon a time, months turned on a dime, so to speak, I was broke but free. sight and out of mind Nothing left to see Oh Oh Making it up as I go Singing the words to a song I barely know And I'm tired
Oh, it was funny when I went in. I, I like the guy who recorded it was like, "Oh, I can't wait to be in a studio with with like a real pianist, like someone who's like really good at piano." And I was like, "Oh no!" Like he <laughs> thinks I'm someone I'm not, or something like. Because I've never thought of myself as as being good at piano. I just, I, I don't know. I thought of myself as someone who's learned how to like screw around on a piano enough so it. Like I figured out how to build songs out of the stuff I'm doing, but you know I look at other people and I'm like, no, that's a, that's yeah, like player. I'm not that, like you know, um, but I don't know. I guess I am. Well, uh, Adam Duritz, who appears on your your album, uh, he once said about his piano playing, he's like, I'm not a piano player. I can just play the things that I wrote. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I feel the like, exact like Charlie same way. Gillingham like you is can, a piano player. Yeah. Right, which right. I, I would have guessed yeah. he was a piano player though, because like I don't know, it's just it's just such a great record. You don't you don't hear a lot of piano records. I mean, Ben Folds. Okay, who else is piano based? Uh, yeah, there's not enough of them. Rufus yeah. Wainwright. Oh, yeah. Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, yeah he's great. Uh, he's El- good. Elton at John. It. I heard. Elton, yeah. it. Oh, he's retiring though, isn't he? You could be oh, the next right, Elton right. John. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to be the last Elton John. That's true. The past one. Or Billy Joel. Or Billy Joel. You know, you some... know Billy Joel's first record was like really, really good. I, you it's, know. Uh, Cold Spring Harbor, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, we've had some, uh, we've had some Joel debate on the podcast yeah. before. <laughs> Our uh, friend and past guest, uh, Katie Mullins, thinks Billy Joel is like one of the great American songwriters, which that's, you know. She's entitled to that opinion. It's wrong, but I mean, she's, <laughs> she's, she's entitled to it. Uh, but I, I mean, um, I like his stuff. I grew up in the eighties. Got some good tunes. Yeah, I, I, I grew up in the eighties, and I, I love eighties Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also like some of his old stuff too. Yeah, Cold Spring Harbor is one of those things. It was like he was just like a kid trying to be Paul McCartney, right? But he's actually he was pretty good at it. And it, like, if you go back and listen to it, it's like, damn, some of those songs are actually really great. I'll have to look it up later and and put it on. I haven't listened to I haven't listened to early Joel in a long time. Um, so you mentioned North Carolina. You were uh, were you at Cat's Cradle? Is that yes? Okay. Yep. I was like, yeah, I was, I was at Cat's Cradle, and uh, yeah, it was just kind of a uh, shot in the dark. But you know, and not you... every not everything pans out. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you were also managing at the time, right? Are you um, like Field Reports, yeah. which was a band that I knew about because of you? Who else have you been? Who else have you worked with? I know you worked with Laura Jane Grace for a while, right? Yeah, when I was down there, I was just managing. I think I was just managing Field Report and Gene Ween. Oh, right. On. And um, and Gene Ween and I like wrote a record together. We like made this record called Freeman. Oh yeah, all yeah. capital letters, yeah. um, and that was cool because he had like just quit Ween, and um, it was sort of the. I think we were both in like a really weird place, and um, we made this kind of. I don't know. I think it's a cool record, um, but I was yeah. And and then after I moved back up to New York, I started managing more aggressively, um, and I was managing. Speedy Ortiz and Against Me and Ockerville River and Cass McCombs. Right. That's a pretty nice lineup. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're all amazing. Are you still, are you still doing management or no? No, no. I've completely left it behind, which, um, it's like that job is really not for everyone. You have to, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think, I mean, I, and I was lucky because I was working people who I like truly, truly looked up to musically and personally, like they were legit friends of mine and people who I considered like some of the best songwriters and musicians alive. And even still, it was a, it's a really tough job. Uh, like just like a thankless, never ending, stressful job. Um, for me, I, I think other people for some reason are able to just do it and like have fun. Um, but yeah, so I finally, I finally put two and two together and realized like maybe I shouldn't be doing this gig. Yeah. I, we, I don't know if you probably don't remember. We had a conversation at South by once, um, about a band that we knew and I, I knew and I was like, they really need a manager. And you're like, why don't you do it? I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonder what wow. That I was guy. trying to steer you into the, into a wall. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> Oh, this guy, Chris, I should fuck up his life. <laughs> yeah. Misery uh, loves company. That's true. That is true. Um, so you worked at you were at Partisan Records for a while. Yeah, is that correct? Yep, I was doing like A and R. I did A and R for Partisan and for Rounder Records. Right. For you were with uh, seven years or something. Middle brother was that you were on that project, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was yep. fantastic. That was awesome. Um, yeah, it's like one of those classic moments that um, at the time it just felt like a total disaster. I think that a lot of like music history is like that. Like yeah. if you went back to the actual time, you know, you had like the band recording at Big Pink or so, I don't know, I'm just making that yeah. up, but something like, you know, these things that seem so pivotal in history. And then you go back at the time and it's like, yeah, they were we just were just like drunk. drunk and screwing around. <laughs> yeah. It felt like a disaster, yeah. like, just a gigantic mess like mistake and then we look back and it was like that was so legendary well that sounds like a good segue into this question then so you're in appetite for destruction is that correct no no wait what was the close what appetite for destruction is the they're the good one right um Appetite for Destruction, I think, is the good Guns N' Roses right. cover band that's actually like knows the songs and they're like impressive. I was in <laughs> Mr. Brownstone, oh, Mr. Brownstone, the drunk, the drunk idiot, bad version. <laughs> but you were of on that. You were on David Letterman. <laughs> we were, <laughs> and a- Appetite for Destruction or any other Guns N' Roses cover band would definitely have deserved. You know, right. it would have been better that for them spot, to be on yeah. instead of us. But um, so, yeah, I don't know how that happened. But um, which is weird. Why uh, does David Letterman book a tribute band? Like <laughs> they they had a whole week. It was like cover band week or whatever, and they had someone come out and do like Prince on Monday, and they were like mind blowing. Like you would not believe that it wasn't Prince, and then. A Michael Jackson impersonator, and then there was—I think it was like a Johnny Cash. Um, for, you know, it was like all these people yeah. that you would see in like Vegas or something that were like. It was actually kind of amazing how like the real thing they were. And then the la- i think it was the last night of it. 
was us, um, <laughs> which, you know, I think it was like literally, I, th- I think it was like the worst band that's ever been on Letterman. Didn't they like erase like, it from their archives or something like that? I think they may have. I know like if you Google it, like you can't find it. It like doesn't exist on the internet. It's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm web. sure, you know. Yeah, you have to go into the far reaches of the dark web <laughs> somewhere on 4chan to see us in our wigs. So uh, um, yeah, it was I kind of wait. What was that like? Just to be like, you were Izzy Stradlin, right? Yeah, yeah. So you were just like, all right. We I'm, were just laughing. I'm like dressed up as Izzy Stradlin. You're on David Letterman. Now I've maybe confusing you with someone else. Were you, was it the thing where if you if you sing on TV, you get money? And if you play an instrument, you get money. So somebody yeah. was on there, like you, they put microphones in front of you. So yeah, you, I remember that it's like we knew that um, there's like a, you get paid through the union or something. Right. So it was like there's a musician's union and there's like a separate vocalist's union. So if you have a microphone in front of you and you just like sing something into it, you get paid like twice. Right. So we all had microphones in front of us and we were just like, ah. See that's so, like, um, that's one of the so greatest moments in rock and roll history, and and nobody <laughs> yeah, knows about it till now. That's real rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if anyone knows that. That might be a vinyl pizza exclusive. Nice, finally <laughs> scandal. Finally, <laughs> the scandal. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I gotta go. The FBI is here. <laughs> um. So you're uh, you're working now for Isotope. Yeah, Isotope. You... I do. Um, artist relations for them which is uh which is really cool they're they're like uh, they make plugins like for recording and mixing and mastering audio okay so basically whenever someone's recording anything or processing or mixing any audio whether it's um a record or also like films you know like most hollywood films use it now yeah uh it just uh, it works you know within pro tools or logic or whatever just to make stuff sound better and it's used on like it's a really like top top of the line thing it's used in like beyonce records and bob dylan records and all these you know it's it's like it's really good stuff so it's a cool place to be uh, that's cool so it's you're always on the cutting edge of something right like where do you go from here? Hopefully. You're just like rock and roll in space. <laughs> Dave space astronaut or rock and roll astronaut. Yeah. Rock and roll. Oh, you know what? Did you hear about um it's funny you should mention that because I just read on the internet that um there's a guy who's releasing his album by he's inside of a tank lifted up by a helium balloon a hundred thousand feet into the air and he's dropping it from space to the earth. Wow. Which I have no idea who he is. I have no idea what his music sound like. sounds like. He might be a total genius. But when I first read it, I was just like, can we just write songs? <laughs> like, what? how did we get here? Why, why is this so, like, I just want to hear people put, like, good lyrics over melodies and chord changes. Is that really just too boring for everyone? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, like what kind of music do you drop from space? I bet it's techno. I, bet I don't it's, know. It's like EDM or something. Yeah. Yeah, you would think it would be like some real electronic type stuff. That's I just weird. Now I have to find that on the internet. 
the thing is, it worked because here we are talking about him, and it's uh, as a PR stunt. Hats off to him. That's right. He should have put it uh, like a CD in the Tesla that uh, they launched into space. Right. Yeah. Oh, you know what's cool? I can tell you about the um, so Isotope. The current gig is um, they just made their first piece of hardware, and it's like this little device where you can record music. Like you, it's like. Uh, I don't know if you ever used like the old Tascam Porta Studios or Fostex Sport Track cassette recorders. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's like one of those for the 21st century. It's like a it's like this little portable handheld device that has a microphone in it, and you can like plug into it, and you can track songs, and it sounds like amazing. So you can like record and mix and export songs without needing to be in a studio or setting up any gear or anything. How do you think technology like that is changing? I mean, clearly technology has changed music, but like that really opens up the avenues for pretty much anybody to just be able to lay down like legit sounding songs. Yeah, I think this technology is really helpful. That's like the main reason I'm so excited about it. It's called Spire. The reason I'm so excited about Spire is that it's like it's correcting a problem that technology created. Right. which was that, um, you know, for so long, I mean, it's just like the, the nature of music, like recording is about capturing moments, not just music. You know, you're not just recording the music, you're documenting the actual moment. And I think like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, those moments were actually happening in the studio. Right. You know, like the people would book, there was more money in the recording business. And so like, you know, bands could, find the funding to go into a studio whether they're on a label or whatever but you know they'd spend a few weeks in the studio and get comfortable and and a a real moment would happen and they're hopefully they hit record during it where now it's way more rushed i feel like bands probably have all these magical moments when they're rehearsing or when they're at home writing or wherever they are and then they have to like recreate it in a couple days in the studio so it's not really um it sounds like everyone's kind of doing an impression of themselves yeah. instead of actually documenting that moment on the recording. Like when you hear Rolling Stones and David Bowie records, like you can hear that a real moment is being recorded. You know, you can yeah. hear Bowie crying during five years, or you can hear, um, you know, Dylan's band like messing up during um, like a Rolling Stone or whatever. You know, you hear yeah. all those moments. But that's what makes it cool. So I think technology has, has messed with that a little bit, um, you know, technology and the industry uh, going downhill. But um, this little recording device, something that I think is cool about it is you can, you know, you can take it to wherever the moment is happening. Like right. if you're in a cave somewhere playing music, you could take this in there and, and record there. You don't need to like, stop what you're doing and go to a studio or go set up a whole rig. You know, you can just grab this thing out of your backpack and start recording. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Not to turn this into a big commercial, but <laughs> yeah, <I'll go. laughs> feel free. I actually do think it's a cool thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely when I was a kid, like, I was like, Oh man, if I could just record some music, but like to do it back then, you had to like record something on a cassette <laughs> and then like overdub it, like play, let that play yeah. and do something in, in like your dual cassette tracks, like Daniel Johnston style. 
Um, and I'm, yeah, just, I'm not like that two talented. Recorders. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't pull that off. So yeah, <laughs> it see, seems like the, the next generations of me will at least be able to, uh, to, to get down something better. I think it has like corrected itself and there might be this little generation in between that sort of, uh, was the victim of, of the industry kind of recalibrating, unfortunately, but I do think it's recalibrating. So I'm like optimistic. I've heard a lot of great music coming from young people these days that makes me really excited and optimistic. Yeah. What are you, uh, what are you listening to these days? Anything uh, that we should be aware of? Um, I listen to a lot of like modern classical music just because I, I find myself fixated on other stuff during the day and it's distracting sometimes to have too many brilliant songs playing in the background because I stop thinking about what I'm looking at and I start thinking about what I'm listening to and it throws me off. Yeah. But with, um, I really love like minimalist modern classical music because it's like this beautiful art and it doesn't get in the way of what you're doing. It like kind of just like cohesive with whatever you're in the middle of doing. So people like John Adams and Gavin Bryars um, are like, I've been listening to them a whole lot recently. Um, but there's song, there's like, there's a lot of young songwriters that I'm really obsessed with. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers. I don't know if you've heard her, but she's yeah. uh, unreal, like just insanely talented. And that's it. She's that's the it. only one. Just those two people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever talked about classical music on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. You're just bringing like a whole level of class and sophistication. We're not oh, used wow. to that. Well, Nico Muley is amazing, and Thomas Ades. I think that's how you say his name. Ades. It's definitely Ades. He's French. Well, those are people I'll have to check out because I don't, I haven't heard of them. I've heard of Phoebe Bridgers. All right, let's do toppings. There should be, um, there should be like a a corporate sponsor for toppings well, we, we can be like let's do toppings is brought to you by we we actually <laughs> whatever have, we actually have like a jingle now uh sean fogel from golden bloom wrote us a, a bumper song and it's really great it's oh better that's than, awesome it's better than we deserve it's true <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like a legit song What's your favorite album from the 1970s? Topping. Or your favorite food to eat on top of pizza cheese? Topping. Chris and Tim are here to cater to your every need. Topping. In the vinyl pizza parlor, won't you take a seat? Topping. I'll write, um, he wrote a jingle. I'll write like a commercial, it'll, but it'll be fake, but it'll be a real sponsor. <laughs> nice. Like, um, yeah. You see, like, uh, like toppings is brought to you by Heinz 57, Heinz 57, <laughs> because you deserve the best in toppings. <laughs> you just, just do one and leak, leave the sponsor name out and then we can fill it in like a different one each episode. Yeah. It's like, Toppings is brought to you by Velveeta. Velveeta. Oh. Velveeta. If you put Velveeta on yeah. your pizza, oh my god! I'm just saying. Wow, that's gross. Might actually be good. That's disgusting. I like mac and cheese it's... on my pizza, so hey, you know. Don't encourage that. It's great. Oh, it's disgusting. It's good. All right, so we're gonna do uh, oh. toppings. We're gonna start with 
top artist. So it's your you can only pick one. Your top artist, bander, bander solo. Wow. Yeah. Um whew, so hard. I'm gonna go Bill Evans. Bill Evans. Wow. Best jazz piano player of all time. Favorite and, musician of all time. And you don't consider yourself a pianist. <laughs> he does in a, in some weird freaky way, he does the thing where you can put humor in music without it being lame. Like he'll be playing a song and he'll do something and I'll laugh. I don't even know what it's like. He'll do like some little move and it's like the piano equivalent of like a dance move or like a reference to something. And it's just funny. I don't know why um, it's cause he's, his brain works in some crazy, I don't know. He's an alien. I think that's <laughs> well, what it comes down to. I yeah. should definitely check that out then. Yeah. What do you got next, Tim? We got a top album. Top album. Top album, I would say, um, I don't know if this is allowed. Well, I, yeah, any, anything's allowed, right? We're yeah. making the rules. Yeah, that's right. We're in charge here. The, I would say my favorite album is Blood on the Tracks with an asterisk. And then at the bottom, next to the asterisk, it says um, original recordings. Because the, the album was like the blood on the tracks that was officially released was like a re-recording that he did. Like, I don't know, at the last minute and you can get the original recordings of the album and it was totally different. Really? It was way sadder stripped down. A lot of the lyrics were changed. And if you listen to those original recordings, it's so unbelievably great that it's, um, that's my favorite album ever. Really? So, I mean, that's my favorite Dylan record. Um, Oh, wow. You need to hear the original recording. Yeah. I swear to God, it's where even you, better. Where does a person find that? On the internet, I guess? It seems probably... On Napster on in Napster. 1998. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to build a time machine. Go back in time. Yeah. And steal that album. And the album, um, originally the album ended with a song called Up To Me. Uh -huh. That was supposed to end Blood On The Tracks. And that is my favorite Dylan song ever. Huh. Um, and I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it might be Duritz's favorite Dylan song too. I don't know why. I have like a weird memory of us like bonding over that one or something. <laughs> okay. You know, I definitely have to check that out. I feel, I feel more enlightened. This is like the most enlightening episode for me. Right. Like I feel like I've come away learning something. I'm going to have to listen to a lot of music in the next couple of days. Yeah. All right. Nice. What's, what's our... So our, uh... Our special topping is, since you were in Mr. Brownstone, we're going to do a top hard rock band. Um, am I allowed to say Pearl Jam? Are they considered a hard rock band? You're allowed to say that, sure. <laughs> I don't know if they're really, like, are they, I don't know if that counts. I don't know if they're hard enough. Um, I would consider them, I mean, they're in the same vein as, as like, early Guns N' Roses. Yeah, like Stone Temple Pilots, Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana yeah. and Pearl Jam. They were all like pretty hard rock bands. The grunge era. Yeah, he said Pearl Jam. I don't consider Pearl Jam grunge. I consider them post. Really? Yeah. They when they first came out, they were like, that's how I first like thought of them. It, well, like flannel shirts, ripped jeans, Pearl Jam. So the first time I heard Pearl Jam um, was that Coca Cola had a coke music sampler thing and you could get like a cassette tape in your 12 pack of coke 
and wow. it, it was it had uh, it had Pearl Jam's Alive was on there. Um, Chris Whitley was on one of my head. There was like two of there whoa. Were, there were like two things. Gang of Four was on there. I feel like like there was a bunch of it was just like new music for like nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. Um, Sounds like an awesome mix. Actually. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Um, and I, I wore those tapes out, but that's the first time I'd ever heard Pearl Jam um, was on wow. this, this cassette tape, and I'm like, it was alive, and I'm like, oh man, that's great. Um, so I still, good. Yeah, I still really love that first record. Oh, it's amazing. They have, and even the ones that followed, they had like just so many amazing songs. There was like this ten year span where it was just like. It was insane. They were just writing like hit after hit after hit. Um, it's amazing. And it's weird, like thinking about that Coca-Cola thing. Like it, we always, everyone always thought like it was such a bad thing. The, the um, corporate attachments to music yeah. and major record labels and having to spend 15 bucks to buy a CD every time you wanted an album. Yeah. And um the fact that all those things have been taken down now and it's all like everything free for everyone all the time. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I kind of miss the old annoying days. And yeah. for reasons like that, like even the dumb Coca-Cola music sampler, ironically, like that was actually introducing like yeah, no, millions there, of people to really there, great music. There was a lot of great stuff on there. Uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden had a solo track on there. Wow. Uh, like, wow. Yeah, it was just this crazy mix of, of stuff. Man, yeah. I wish I still had that. I, bet, I wonder if I could find that on the internet. I bet I can. I bet you can. Like yeah. somewhere on like eBay. Not that I have I guess that's kind of like, um, there's like uh, um, playlists, you know, like Spotify playlists are sort of like the closest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, something where there is a barrier to entry with everything else. It's just a pool of 10 million different bands or whatever. But I guess play, those playlists are something where it still is like a coveted thing. And there's yeah. only like 20 or 30 bands in there. Yeah. I mean, well, like Paste Magazine used to you used to get a CD with like every yeah, issue. That's right. And that, that shit was great. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, man, I got to hear this. You know, who, who are they listening to? Uh, yeah, I kind of wish that was still a thing. Yeah, you're right. CMJ used to do a thing. CMJ, a yeah. yeah. Um, a couple months ago, Laura Jane Grace made me a mixtape and recorded it on an actual tape, like a cassette. Nice. And so I went home with a cassette, and I, I actually went out and purchased a, a old school Walkman. Just so I could listen to it, because I had no other tape deck. I was Wait, like, well, "How am I going to listen to where it?" Where do you even find an old school Walkman at this point? Like, just you can get them on Amazon for like twenty oh, really? bucks. Huh? That's crazy. Yeah, and it it already broke. <laughs> of course, <laughs> they're disposable at this point. They're just like, "Yeah, I'll buy another one." I uh, actually just saw a thing uh, somewhat related. Um, Matthew Ryan, who was one of our guests on the first season. Um, Somebody that he was working with released they're releasing a short story on vinyl, and then he does a cover of Wild Horses by Rolling Stones at the end of it. Uh, and so that I don't know that struck me as really I don't know that's that's one of the most unique things I've seen in a while releasing a short story on vinyl, and then having a song a song yeah. on it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I haven't had a chance to check it like out. I just saw it, but yeah, no, that's cool. Did he write the story? Um, no, it's this. Other, I want to say the guy's name is Joe Hill. 
he was the one that wrote the oh, story. Oh yeah. And he just had uh, Matthew do the uh, version of of that song at the end. So yeah, I'm interested. I think to um, I think that might be Stephen King's son. Really? Unless I'm thinking of unless I'm thinking of someone else. Uh, I think there's a writer named Joe Hill, and it's the pseudonym of Stephen King's son. Huh. Um, but I'm not sure. I might be making a fool of myself <laughs> on a, this podcast yeah, right now. It's fine. Uh, That's what we're going to But who knows? With. We're going to pull that clip and just put that all over. <laughs> David Elsky says this is Stephen King's son. That's how things and get started. And then a big buzzer you? like, eh, he was wrong. <laughs> wrong. Narrator voice. <laughs> he was again. not Stephen King's son. Uh, <laughs> but alas, he was not. Okay, so we're going with, you're going with Pearl Jam as your top one? Yes, yes. That's the long answer. Yep. Um, he is correct. He is correct. It is Joe Hill, the writer, is in fact Stephen, Stephen King's, King's son. son. Yes, I knew it. You win. You won a prize. Go away by your uh, mailbox. There should be a certificate on its way. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> not true. Nice. Uh, All right, this is the hard one. This is the hard one. Top pizza topping. <sighs> you can only pick air. One. Air. <laughs> I like air on a pizza because I like a pizza with nothing on it and I like it dry. Like I don't like when I get a pizza and it's like super greasy and oily. Like I like when it kind of dry, you know, it's kind of like a dry, like a dry top. So and it's like crisp. I feel like what you're describing is toast. You, say, you, want, you want pizza with nothing on it, no, no sauce, and it crisp. That's just a crust, right? Yeah. So like a thin, yeah, yeah. thin crust, just cheese? Just a burnt piece of crust. <laughs> <laughs> just like going into Sbarro, like, hey, can you just wipe all that crap off of that and then burn the crust for me? Not that yeah, you, I'm so like sure hold you the crust. You're like, no, no, just the just crust. the crust. <laughs> That's gonna be like the next pizza. Pizza, just the crust. Yeah. Do you yeah. find there's not enough crust to go around? <laughs> Try pizza. It's just the crust. They're like, uh, for the for the three decades we've been throwing, you know, people order with the crust cut off. Yeah. Are you wondering what happened, what happened to all that crust? <laughs> well, now it's yours, Crustzilla. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, that's probably going to be a thing that happens. Yeah, it probably it make it, you'll be yep. a trendsetter. But if Pizza yeah. Hut spend as much time making good pizza as they do making gimmick pizzas, like that's all they do. They, yeah. But they want to be Taco Bell, but they don't have enough ingredients, like to to keep changing it up. <laughs> I feel like they have enough ingredients. Yeah. But I don't know. They, when you when you have to look up to Taco Bell, that's not a good place to be. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, Air. as Dave Dondero would say, "South of the South." South of the South. He's so, a great songwriter. To add to the list to of recommended list. listening, where can people find that uh, recording device you were talking about? The, it's a the little recording device. Yeah, um, it's called Spire. Spire. Yeah, Spire dot live. I guess you can do like a dot anything now. It's, it's not all like dot com. Like when they first told me the website, they were like, "Yeah, it's Spire dot live," and I was like. Dot com. Dot com? Or is that like, no, that's it. Like, that's just, it ends with live. And I was like, how do you know it's not spire.live? Oh, um, but true. yeah. Okay, cool. I don't know. I guess you can do dot anything. Dot anything. That would be a good website. You don't like, even have to www. put www. You don't even have to put the www in anymore. Nope. Like, that's, you, yeah. just, you just type twitter.com and it goes there. 
But it should, you should make a website that's like vinylpizza.anything, but it actually writes out the word anything. Like that's the actual website just to confuse people. <laughs> yeah, so you know, really, that's what we want is to confuse more people, I think. Uh, well, dude, thanks for uh, for uh, taking some time out and uh, chatting with us. I meant to get you on way earlier because I really do love that record. And I yeah, think it deserves to be talked about a lot. Uh, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, I look forward to uh, whatever the island gives us next. Yeah. From, <laughs> from Dave Gadowski. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank uh, you. Me too. So thanks a lot, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Vinyl Pizza Podcast with your host, Tim Slusher and Chris Fullerton. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. would love to hear your listener comments or questions. You can leave us a message on the website, vinylpizza.com. I wish you would step back from that wedge, my friend, so you can cut ties with all the wise that you've been within. <laughs> How did that guy ever get Charlize Theron?